So it's important that when we handle those critical fasteners, that we handle them carefully. And man, I'm I'm just as guilty as the next guy for buzzing the things out and throwing them in a bucket, throwing them in a box, right? And when you do that, and sometimes these bolts are big, and then inadvertently other parts get thrown in on top of them, and you can cause uh, some significant physical damage to those fasteners, which can potentially cause a failure. Welcome back to the Gas Compression Podcast, the only podcast out there for those of us working in the gas compression industry. I'm your host, Michael Hanning, bringing you discussions with the leaders of our industry discussing the trends and what the future holds. This episode is brought to you by DISCO. That stands for Diversified Industrial Service Company. DISCO has machine shops and mechanical rebuild facilities servicing Southwest Kansas all the way down the Permian Basin. DISCO specializes in rebuilding and reconditioning, reciprocating compressor cylinders and their components, as well as rotary screw compressors. So if you need a reliable partner in maintaining uptime, check them out at disco-inc.com. Welcome back to the Gas Compression Podcast. I'm joined uh, for the fourth time in this in this series with, with Jim DeTore of FAS Training Services. That stands for Failure Analysis Services. And we're talking about... Uh, we're talking about fretting today. We've talked about abrasive, adhesive, and corrosive wear, and now we're talking about fretting. So Jim uh, goes all over the country, uh, all all during the year, and puts on classes and does very extensive training service, uh, does training classes for folks in our industry. And also recently, he's taken over the What Went Wrong section in the Gas Compression Magazine. Norm Shade started writing that, I don't know how long ago, but uh, but Jim was, was a perfect person to come in behind him and do that. So if you're not subscribing to the Gas Compression Magazine, you need to, because Brent Haight and his team just do a fantastic job. Um, he even has a, a section where you can listen to some of the articles that have been written. So Jim is a... He's a he's a teacher. He's an author, and uh, he just does a great service to our industry. So, welcome back, Jim. All right, Michael. So, uh, so I've, again, I put just a brief presentation of some slides that that represent some of the things that we see. Guys can use them for reference later on. So, let me just uh, let me just go ahead and share this right quick. When we start talking about getting into uh, into the fretting realm, there was a uh, there was a bit of confusion with me. The, the way I was taught, it was all called fretting. And uh, a few years ago, I did a, a good bit of study on the topic from multiple resources. And we break it into two types of fretting now. We call it general fretting. And then what's known as fretting corrosion. And uh, and the, the two anomalies, when they happen, they they tell us some factual data about what's going on with that particular component part or those fasteners. But not only that, they uh, they also can tell us that maybe we've had a, a joint that was bolted together that's being overloaded and forced to move as well, right? It also tells us something possibly about fastener torque and, and things like that. But when we get into uh, into the different types of, uh, of fretting, the general fretting and the fretting corrosion, the parts exhibit different road signs or different factual data. And uh, I'll do my best to try to explain those to you. So we go through this. So we're talking about surfaces that are clamped together tightly with fasteners. And, uh, and sometimes the fasteners come loose. When the fasteners come loose, if all the fasteners come loose and the bolted joint separates, what we tend to see is what's known as general fretting, meaning that the surfaces that should be bolted together are moving, 
And they're sitting there and they're vibrating and they're oscillating against one another. And what this does is it highly polishes the surfaces. Almost, when I say highly polished, like they almost look like they're chrome plated if it runs like that for long enough. The surfaces of the fasteners will exhibit the same characteristics as well. So I've got a, a slide here with a couple of fasteners. This is known as general fretting when parts are loose. So we can tell that the, that the lower bolt, the bolt on the bottom there, has been running loose for an extended period of time. And the way we can tell that is the threads on the bolt, if, you, if we start up in this area here, and we see the threads that there really isn't much peak on the threads. Can you see that? Mm -hmm. This is a little bit of impact damage after the fact here. Bolt probably got dropped or something. But they're very, very flat. But then we see peaks on these last two. Well, those last two are probably sticking through the nut and they're not contacting anything. But these guys here, since this bolt's running loose, those threads are, are that thread peak is just sitting in that thread and they're moving around and they're wearing themselves flat. It also tends to polish this area of the shoulder and the underhead clamping surface. So when we have a fastener and we pull it out and uh, maybe somebody had tightened it up previously and we pull it out and we look at it and we see these road signs, we know that that thing's been running loose and somebody has retorqued it or retightened it. Where in this case here, it should have been replaced rather than retightened. If we take a look at the top bolt, we see that the thread peaks are intact in this area here and we don't have the polishing like we do on the lower bolt. This bolt is also broken on the end here. And then we've got a little bit of plastic deformation. We can see how that top thread is pulled and that bolt's kind of bent. So these bolts, both of these bolts here, hold a connecting rod cap onto a connecting rod in a, in a heavy-duty natural gas engine. So what's happened is this bolt came loose for whatever reason, whether it was fastener torque or, or debris or in, in proper installation, something like that. So when this one came loose and it came out, the rod hinged open and this one was torqued tight and it broke. And then it sat there and rattled around for a little while in, in, uh, in the oil pan. But when we see the polishing on the fasteners or on the part surfaces, those are a pretty clear indication. Hey, I've been running loose and I've been vibrating or oscillating against the, the part that I'm supposed to be clamped tightly against and we polish the surfaces. So it gives us an indication that Maybe, maybe we need to check torque. Maybe we, we reused a fastener one too many times and we've overyielded that fastener and it, it couldn't maintain its torque. Maybe there was debris between the clamped surfaces. And once we break that debris down, we lose the torque on the bolt as well. So gives us some good ideas uh, about which direction to go and, uh, and where to look and what questions to ask. So any questions on this one, Michael? Yeah. What questions would you ask if you pulled that bolt out on the bottom? I would ask him, what did the rest of the bolts look like? <laughs> Let's pull some others out. Let's measure the stretch on the bolts. Were the bolts reused? Or uh, also, how were the bolts torqued at the last repair or the last overhaul? When's the last time that the torquing tool was calibrated or calibration was checked? Things like that nature, probably. Yeah. So on this slide here, I have a picture of two different rod caps out of engines that uh that have experienced both types of damage the rod cap on the right is a machine connecting rod parting face meaning that this face here that we're looking at it goes against the connecting rod itself this is the cap that we're looking at so the bolt's going to come through here and it's going to bolt it to the connecting rod and stay tight and not move and then the bore is going to hold the connecting rod bearing 
with this type of cap, the typical manufacturing process is that they 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 forge the rod and uh, and then they do the machine work to the rod and they do the shot peen work to the rod and then final machine work or grind. But they cut this cap off of the rod. It's one solid forged piece. And they cut it off and then they do the machine work. If you look closely, you being a, a machine shop owner, you're familiar with what machine tool marks look like exactly. across the surface. And the machine tool marks, understanding what machine tool marks or what part surfaces should look like after the process has been performed can help a service technician in exponentially in determining what wear types are occurring. Mm -hmm. And when we know what wear types are occurring, then we, we, we can go after and attack the, the problems that create that type of wear. So this one here, it's a machine face, but we also see this damage in these areas here, right? So this, this damage in these areas here is what is known as fretting corrosion. It's not general fretting. General fretting is loose, parts vibrating, oscillating against one another, polishing surfaces. When fretting corrosion occurs, parts are, are clamped tightly together, typically bolted joints or, or joints held tightly together with fasteners or threaded fasteners, and that joint gets overloaded, which means that the friction in the joint can no longer keep those parts from moving. So we move with, with very low amplitude. We're not moving real far but with very high frequency. So we're doing it a lot. And to overload this type of joint, what we would typically see is, is uh, a spun bearing. And if we spin the bearing and there's no bearing material left, sometimes we see that, that the, the bearing gets all eaten up and ends up in the pan. And this connecting rod is kind of dangling around in that crank journal, kind of like the dinner triangle on the old Western shows, you know, <laughs> if you will. So, um, so now we've overloaded that joint. We're causing this joint to move. And this is a good representation of the fretting corrosion. And what fretting corrosion is, if we bolt that joint together and we cause it to move with it being bolted tightly, we tremendous, we create tremendous frictional heat. That frictional heat can reach temperatures high enough that it can actually micro weld from one surface, from the rod surface to the cap or vice versa. When it does that, it leaves pits behind on one piece and it leaves high spots behind on the other piece. Mm -hmm. So sometimes we'll see this, that if the temperatures get high enough to oxidize the metal and it's steel that is fretting, that we'll see the like almost like a, a reddish orange powder or dust, which is iron oxide, similar to rust. Okay. So the fretting corrosion happens when we overload the joint. So sometimes the joint gets overloaded because of the operator right and uh and us the uh, you know potentially overloading the equipment for whatever reason and that can cause the fretting corrosion to happen sometimes it's it's component parts that uh that have run thousands and thousands of hours i'll give you an example let's say a uh a g30 or the, yeah g3600 uh water pump if you will so one of the water pumps on the front of a G3616 has a gear bolted to the shaft and, and they experience fretting when they, when they get tens of thousands of hours on them, they experience the, excuse me, they experience the fretting corrosion between the gear that's bolted to the water pump shaft. So we see that metal transfer and we'll see a little bit more of that on the next slide, but let's take a look at this rod cap that's on the left. And this guy here, it looks quite a bit different than the one on the right, on the right. Right. Yeah. So. What we're looking at here is what's known as a fractured rod. So they forge the rod, or sometimes they make them out of powdered metal. 
they will score the inner bore with a laser, much like uh, scoring and snapping ceramic tile when you break tile. Mm -hmm. You put the engineered stress concentrator, and then you put a shock overload on it, and it fractures brittily, and you get the nice straight line. Mm -hmm. Well, they do the same thing with these rods, is they, they laser score the inside of the bore, and then they put a, a mandrel in the center of it, and uh, and force a taper down through it, and it shock overloads that, and it breaks right in line with the score mark, similar to the tile. It makes a, a very uh, highly integrated and strong joint when we bolt those brittle fracture surfaces back together. No no extra machine work is required. So they'll still have to machine the bore and, and size the bore. But when we take a look at this one here, if you notice, what this should look like is a is a brittle fracture and and kind of sparkly and crystalline looking like a like a piece of steel that was very hard that broke suddenly. Mm -hmm. But you notice that it's super smooth and peaks and valleys, but it's super smooth and really polished, isn't it? Mm -hmm. So that tells me that that guy's been running loose for a while, right? And it's been experiencing general fretting, the oscillation and vibration between surfaces. So we've got two different connecting rod caps here the one on the left running loose general fretting with the polishing the one on the right running tight but the joint being overloaded we can still see the machine marks over a portion of the surface but then we also see the fretting corrosion and pitting damage from metal transfer on the surface as well all right so let's move on to uh the water pump gear that we were discussing earlier so the water pump gear surface is the picture on the right the water pump shaft is the picture on the left. If you can follow my cursor on the water pump shaft, can you see all these darkened areas here, Michael? Mm-hmm. So this is where metal transfer has been happening. When I see this type of damage, it tells me that that joint is, has been tight. It's not been loose. If it was loose, Michael, what do you think it would look like? Nice and, well, if it's the if it's fretting corrosion, it gets, it kind of starts that, that metal transfer. Exactly. But that's if it that's... was but if it was loose, what do you think we might see? Be nice and shiny. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Good, good. Yeah, it would, it would be polished and shiny. So we got the metal transfer going on. And what's happening is it's transferring from the shaft to the gear surface. So we would take this gear surface and we would flip it over and put it right down on that water pump shaft. That Those would be the mating surfaces. And this is a this is a fairly common anomaly that happens on these water pumps, just simply due to uh, the engineering design of the joint and uh, the vibration characteristics, the the load, the speed of operation, and the length of time the part's been in service. What engine is this off of? This is off of a G thirty six sixteen cat engine. So when it creates a problem, Michael is when this fretting corrosion has happened. We have taken the material from where we see the dark pits in the picture illustrated on the left. Mm -hmm. We've taken that material and we've micro welded it and made high spots on the gear surface. So what ends up happening oftentimes, and, and I've, I've seen it actually occur, is they remove the water pump. They set the water pump on the ground. They buzz the bolts out. They lift the gear up and they move it over to the new water pump and they set it on. They run the bolts in and torque them without a examining those surfaces when we do that it would be no different than if uh if you were putting a a new tire and wheel on your car and the back of the wheel had a bunch of dirt on it and you went ahead and clamped it on and tightened it anyway yeah it's going to run it's going to look good until it comes loose right 
Right. It starts Until to it break doesn't. that stuff up. Exactly. You lose the torque on the fasteners. So with these high spots that we see exhibited here from the fretting corrosion, those start to wear down. We lose torque on the fasteners. Usually what I've seen is a couple of the bolts will uh, will break due to bending fatigue fractures or reverse bending fatigue fractures. And then the bolts hold the joint tight. What keeps the joint from moving is the frictional force between the lateral surfaces. So now we've lost some of that clamping force because we had two fasteners fail. So oftentimes the rest of the bolts will shear off because mm -hmm. the bolts aren't typically, unless they are specifically designed and applied as a shear bolt, most fasteners are not designed to experience bending loads or shear loads, just strictly tensile or stretching loads. Yeah. So when those bolt heads break off, they get caught up in the front of that gear train of that big expensive engine. And that requires a, a lot of disassembly time and replacement of very expensive gears and a lot of clean out, depending on how much debris was generated during the failure process. Yeah. So that's kind of a general fretting and fretting corrosion 101, if you will. I hope that helps. I think, uh, I think that's all I've got today on fretting and fretting corrosion. We can talk about it a little more if you'd like. Sure. Yeah, I think that, uh, yeah, I think, you know, I think just breaking down bolts and, and changing things out is a common thing. I just, I don't know how often it is that, that folks really inspect bolts to look for, you know, like the pictures you had, you know, bolts being like a, a really telltale sign of what might be going on on the other side. And we see that often, Michael. Um, we do have a, a fasteners module that we teach as well. Mm -hmm. So with most of our modules, we'll cover how that particular component part is manufactured, the steel that's used, the heat treat processes that may be used. So you can familiarize yourself with all that stuff. So if one does fail, the more information you have relative to that, the, the easier it can be to help you get to the root cause of the problem or to recognize problems or anomalies. Yeah. So with our fasteners, I'll, I'll just throw a, a couple of things out there. Um, when you do fastener inspection, always look at the underhead clamping surface and the underhead fillet radius, meaning where the clamping surface comes to the shoulder of the bolt. Make sure there's there aren't any nicks, dings, corrosion, or any type of physical damage in those areas. Um, or if they're highly polished, then you know, that fastener should be replaced. Yeah. Obviously, we want to we want to check fastener length, uh, check fasteners for for stretching. Looking always looking for signs of cracks in them as well any physical damage or what we refer to as plastic deformation the part changes shape steel changes shape mm -hmm. those types of things um corrosion is the enemy for fasteners especially when it gets in the the high stress concentration areas and i'll, I'll give those to you there there's three uh, typical high stress concentration areas on, on a fastener that's going to be the underhead fillet radius area where it transitions from the head into the shoulder it's going to be the the first thread root after the shoulder. And the third one is going to be the first engaged thread root, whether it engages into a threaded hole or a nut. That's commonly where we see fasteners break or fail. What are other failure modes as well? It's, it's just too much to really get into it. But maybe we can uh, do another podcast another time on fasteners if you like. Oh, I think we probably could because 
I mean, that's what holds everything together. I mean, there's you, you don't get to bolt anything up without a fastener. So what do you do if you're in the field and you're, you've got to make some changes, you've got to change something out and you've got a bolt that just doesn't look quite right. Is there a, I mean, you got to get this thing back up and running. Is there a, you, you can't bead blast it or say, you know, you can't glass, you don't have glass beads to, to clean it with. I mean, is, is there a material or a, I mean, if the bolt is deformed, just throw it in the trash and go on. But what would you what would you recommend as like your absolute go to on cleaning bolts in a hurry? Got to get back up and running. Well, if I'm cleaning bolts, a lot of guys are, are just going to take something like a can of component cleaner and spray the bolts off, right? And then maybe blow them dry. Um, a, a wire wheel on a die grinder for threads, just not too aggressively, yeah. Because you can push metal around with a wire wheel as well with enough force and mm. and time. But um, those would probably be the, you know, the two primary things. Um, there's, not a, there, there's not like a, a secret a secret sauce that you know about that. <laughs> the, the whiz bang solution. No, I don't have one of those. Okay. Um, no, I wish I did. That would be great. But Maybe could, you should come up with the FAS. Billionaire, the, yeah. The FAS training special boat cleaner. There we go. Yeah. So, um. So yeah, we, we see, uh, you know, the, the remanufacturers when they reuse fasteners, um, they, they have different cleaning methods. It just depends on the fastener, what the fastener does, what component it holds together. Um, some of the fuel systems, we'll see them go, go to the point of using something like an ultrasonic cleaner where a lot of the other fasteners may go in a solvent tank. So they'll get some naphtha or mineral spirits where others may just go in a in a basket in an automatic parts washer with a caustic solution or something like that. Yeah. But anytime that uh that they come out they, they should always be thoroughly inspected. Another good tip for for the guys out there doing it and I'm totally guilty of doing this myself. Most of the it's kind of funny. Most of the problems that we run into it I've probably uh, seen or contributed to at one point or another in my career before I knew any better. But taking bolts out that you're going to reuse, especially any critical fastener. And a critical fastener, in my mind, is any fastener that is inside of a component or something that is like torquing a cylinder head on, right? Or holding another component to that component, such as the water pump, the, the water pump gear, drive gear fasteners, things like that. So it's important that when we handle those critical fasteners that we handle them carefully and man, I'm, I'm just as guilty as the next guy for buzzing the things out and throwing them in a bucket throwing them in a box. Right. And when you do that, and sometimes these bolts are big and then inadvertently other parts get thrown in on top of them and you can cause uh, some significant physical damage to those fasteners, which can potentially cause a failure. As a matter of fact, I believe, I believe it's in the December issue of Gas Compression Magazine. If you go back and you look at that article, you'll see where a bolt was mishandled and it caused an engine failure and caused a connecting rod to go through the side of the block. Oh. Simply due to, to mishandling and lack of inspection of the clamping surface of the bolt. The pictures kind of tell the story on that one. Is that a what went, is that a what went wrong? It is. Yeah. That's the okay. column that, that I'm writing for gas compression magazine. Now have a lot of fun with that. All right. So I think, uh, I think the viewers maybe got some good stuff on, uh, on fasteners and, and general fretting and fretting corrosion. Um, any other questions or anything? You no, not at all. I agree. I think your, your stuff is short and sweet to the point with, with the pictures and it gives everyone a chance to kind of 
get a visual on what they're looking for when when they see what when they see what they're dealing with, they kind of can ask the right questions. So just uh, a real quick, you mentioned the modules that you're, you know, that you're teaching. So what, uh, if folks are, you know, wanting to get some more in-depth training from FAS, what is the, uh, what's your schedule looking like? It's, uh, it's late January as we're, as we're recording this, but when is your, uh, when are your classes coming up next? So our open enrollment classes, we've got one in July. In Colorado Springs, July 29th through the 1st. And I believe we have another one in October in Colorado Springs, which is October 8th through the 11th. So if folks are interested in open enrollment, where do they go to do that? Which website? So that would be www.fas-training.com. So FAS, Failure Analysis Services-Training.com. And I don't know how I could forget this one, but in May, May 13th through the 16th, we'll have an open enrollment in uh, in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, or just outside of Pittsburgh and Cannonsburg. That's going to be the week following the Eastern Gas Compression Roundtable. Great, that's awesome. Yeah. So we'll have uh, we'll have we've got those three classes planned right now. Um, the first one's about full, so classes fill up fast. But mm-hmm. what what we're getting here in the podcast is just a little snippet of, uh, of what our classes teach. So, um, I hope folks enjoy it and, and we hope to see you maybe in the classroom or, or if, uh, if you run into, uh, into problems with components and you have questions or you need an analysis, feel free to, to reach out to us. You can get in touch with us through the website. Awesome. Well, Jim, thanks so much for uh, sharing your wisdom, your knowledge, your PowerPoints, your visuals, all that stuff. You're, uh, you're a great detective. It's, it's fun to, fun to dive into this stuff with you. So thanks for coming on again. Thank you, Michael. I enjoy it.